Hi, Chris. Hey, I couldn't help but notice Asia's not here. I know we haven't talked about it yet before the podcast, but it is the elephant in the room. I don't see you as being able to fill her shoes. Her feet were pretty big. As we've established previously. <laughs> but at the same time, we must soldier on because, good lord, is there some absurd shit going on while the By That I Mean podcast is not being recorded. I found the 1956 Republican Party platform as we convene to record on the eve of the Republican convention, which has been only narrowly spared by a hurricane. I can't wish a hurricane upon anyone being from New Orleans, and I sincerely hope for once nature doesn't fuck New Orleans in the ass. (sighs) But I figured on the eve of whatever's left of the Republican convention, (laughs) I should revisit the Republican Party of the past to illustrate just how far the Republican Party of the present has strayed. I haven't heard this yet, but you did talk about it, and I'm really, really excited. Um, I found, thanks to a blog called Addicting Info, which is at addictinginfo.org, the Republican Party platform of 1956. And here are nine points among many, 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 obviously, because it's a comprehensive summation of everything the party officially endorses and wants to put into legislation. Before we start, do you think any of these things are going to mention Jesus? I think most of them will. I have a feeling these nine have not changed since then, and I do think a lot of them will mention Jesus. How many social programs do they advocate dismantling? Would you care to wager a number? We don't necessarily have to put up money, but that's optional. Right. Uh, I feel pretty much all the social programs... I'm just saying, bet some money, I need it. I feel like everything the Democrats, all social programs the Democrats have established at that point, they wanted to dismantle. So the answer is all of them. All of them? Okay, okay. Finally, before I tell you the actual planks of the Republican Party in 1956, how thoroughly do you think it fights against any notion that racism is a problem in America that the government should try to solve? Do you think they're on the side of the government solving discrimination as a, as a problem? No, I think they're on the side of Ron Paul. I think they, at the time, wouldn't have wanted the government to have to do anything to propagate any social justice. That's what I think. And I think that I should have tried to convince you more thoroughly to put up money for this, because I would have just made them. I'll post a link to this on the By That I Mean Facebook page and on the website. This is from the 1956 Republican Party platform. The Eisenhower administration will continue to fight for dynamic and progressive programs, which, among other things, will stimulate improved job safety of our workers through assistance to the states, employees, and employers. 
That is exactly what the Tea Party Republicans in Congress have stopped doing in the last three years. They've refused to allow any further stimulus to be passed. The biggest part of the stimulus program was aid to states. That's what kept states from having to lay off teachers, firefighters, doctors, all that. Okay, so that's one. Two, continue and further perfect its programs of assistance to the millions of workers with special employment problems, such as older workers, handicapped workers, members of minority groups, and migratory workers. Wait. <laughs> Wait, are they, are they saying what they're... The platform they're on or the yes. platform they're against? This was their platform. This is the Eisenhower platform. Oh, they came such a long way. <laughs> Older workers, handicapped workers, members of minority groups, and migratory workers. That's literally every major category of minority that they are right. trying to oppress now. Strengthen and improve the federal state employment service and improve the effectiveness of the unemployment insurance system. <laughs> What? You can't even get unemployment insurance benefits passed through Congress anymore. Thanks to Republicans. Thanks to today's Republicans. Next, protect by law the assets of employee welfare and benefit plans so that workers who are the beneficiaries can be assured of their rightful benefits. Contrast this with, here's a coupon for healthcare old people, go buy private insurance. Wow. Next one, and here's a real kicker, assure equal pay for equal work regardless of sex. (laughs) Shit you not, 1956. Are you serious? Maybe that's why all these old people vote Republican, because they think they're voting for that party. I don't know. It's like all their platform points, the Democrats just stole all of the Republican platform points. Barely. In some ways, this is to the left of the the modern Democratic Party. I'm going to skip one. The next one is amazing. Extend the protection of the federal minimum wage laws to as many more workers as is possible and practicable. Next. Continue to fight for the elimination of discrimination in employment because of race, creed, color, national origin, ancestry, or sex. Next, provide assistance to improve the economic conditions of areas faced with persistent and substantial unemployment. And the last one, um, revise and improve the Taft-Hartley Act so as to protect more effectively the rights of labor unions, management, (laughs) the individual worker, and the public. The protection of the right of workers to organize into unions and to bargain collectively is the firm and permanent policy of the Eisenhower administration. What were the Democrats advocating? (laughs) That's what I'm curious about now. It's a... Why, thank you for asking. The next sentence. In 1954, 1955, and again in 1956, President Eisenhower recommended constructive amendments to this act. The Democrats in Congress have consistently blocked these needed changes by parliamentary maneuvers. The Republican Party pledges itself to overhaul and... Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um... At that time, Chris, the Democrats as a party were much more um, 
much more closely identified with Dixiecrats, who were Southern Southerners, Southern white men identifying as mm-hmm. Democrats, who were pro-segregation, pro-Jim Crow. So the Democrats were the Republicans, and the Republicans were the Democrats? Well, eventually the Democratic Party kind of pushed them out. Uh-huh. The South voted Democrat for a long time. That's because the Democratic Party was the Tea Party of the 50s, is what you're saying? And that was the John Birch Society. That's what became basically the Ron Pauls of right, America, right, right, right. like the radical far-right wing. Right, right. And now they define the party. And we're at a very, very important time. It's one of those rare occasions when in a campaign season... A lot of the people running for office are telling you exactly what they plan on doing. It's just amazing when what they plan on doing is completely historically at odds with everything they're supposed to stand for. When did the change happen? Was it like during the Reagan administration? Is that when everything, like when were they, when did they become the neo? The big change in the Republican base was Nixon's Southern strategy, where he manipulated the fears of white voters in order to get reelected. I mean, their platform hasn't officially come out yet, but I can assure you it's the opposite of everything that's on that list. And they're, they're so blatant about it, too. They're not even, they're coming out and telling you we want to cut social programs. We want... They want to suppress minorities. I mean, they want to suppress their vote. They want to take away rights from women. That's not all they want to take away from women, Chris. Have you become as intimately acquainted with Representative Todd Aiken as I have? I feel I got legitimately raped by his name in the last two weeks. Because I did not want to hear it, but I kept hearing it. You didn't want to hear about Todd? I'm sorry to all the Todds out there. I frankly don't want to know any of you, (laughs) especially not any with such suggestive names as Aiken. Like when when your name itself is like onomatopoetic for pain, what am I going to do with you? Well, his Aiken, because he's being raped or he's raping. So what did this Todd Aiken do? He is yet another of the newest crop of tea partiers to be run into, hopefully into the Senate in this case, from the great state of Missouri. And he started his firestorm against vaginas and the women who own them by saying that he wanted to ban the morning after pill. So is this is this a ban in terms of like he he doesn't want the government to pay for it anymore or he wants to make it illegal? Oh, no, he wants to ban it. He wants to make it illegal and also make it a crime for doctors to dispense it. Then we're just going to have back alley pills. You're that's not even a joke. Women now it's being reported in southern states where it's been made nearly impossible to access contraceptives and morning after pills that some women are going to Mexico to get fake plan B. What they are told is going to be plan B or some other kind of, you know, morning right. after pill right, right. end up doing great damage to themselves physically. Todd Aiken started his master class on vaginal anatomy and physiology by wanting to ban the morning after pill. Then he's running against um, Senator Claire McCaskill, um, who is a Democrat, but not 
really liberal. She is pretty conservative because Missouri is a pretty conservative state. She apparently put up several hundred thousand dollars, I believe it was, in campaign ads Mm -hmm. designed to look like they were in favor of Todd Akin in order to help his chances in the Tea Party primary. Wait, wait. She's making pro ads for him? Yes. During their primary season, she ran many hundred thousand dollars of advertisements Uh in support of Todd Akin as the true conservative and the real conservative to get behind in this. What's her strategy? Her strategy was to get the dumbest fuck possible placed opposite her on the ballot in order to guarantee her (laughs) re-election. But... The other consequence is that Claire McCaskill has given America a gift that just keeps on giving because then Todd Aiken told us all that he was the rape whisperer. (laughs) From Talking Points Memo, victims of legitimate rape don't get pregnant. Representative Todd Aiken, the Republican nominee for Senate in Missouri, who is running against Senator Claire McCaskill, justified his opposition to abortion rights, even in the case of rape, with a claim that victims of legitimate rape, quote unquote, have unnamed biological defenses that prevent pregnancy. Aiken said that even in the worst case scenario, when the supposed natural protections against unwanted pregnancy fail, abortion should still not be a legal option for the rape victim. What about in the case of rape? Should it be legal or not? It seems to me, first of all, from what I understand from doctors, that's really rare. If it's a legitimate rape, uh, the female body has ways to try to shut that whole thing down. But let's assume that maybe that didn't work or something. You know, I think there should be some punishment, but the punishment ought to be on the rapist and, and not attacking the child. You know what's interesting about that statement is when he says that we should punish the rapist, not the baby It's like he doesn't even talk about the mom. Like, let's punish the mom, you know? The one person who was never mentioned when Republicans talk about abortion rights is the rights of a woman who is pregnant. Right. It's like she's not even part of the conversation. It's just assumed that... The center of the choice and the action is completely dehumanized, is completely depersonalized, is removed entirely from the moral calculus. Right. It's made into some automated anti-rape, like, mechanical unit, and that's... And now you're starting to understand what the Republican Party wants is to control the means of of reproduction. Um, And there are a lot of authors who are writing a lot of great stuff about that. There's, um, I think it's a Slate blogger, Michelle Goldberg. There are two crazy things about what Aiken said. The first one, obviously, is the claim that the female body has ways to shut down its reproductive organs if it detects evil jizz i don't know <laughs> like a lot there's so much hay has been made of that like all the all the comedians have seized on that already um all of the comedians accounted but it's like what is illegitimate rape that like what is is that is that, that is, is the that? really fucked up thing in what he is saying there's an implicit argument in what he said that there's this need to split and divide rapes that are legitimate from rapes that are quote-unquote illegitimate. Hatred of women and the view of them as just vaginas meant to carry babies for men. It's Uh, very biblical. It's very biblical. It's very primal. Uh, Underlying all of this is the belief and the assumption that you only see among 
right-wing men, conservative, domineering, patriarchal men, is that most of the time rape is made up or most of the time rape is provoked and therefore justifiable. And, I mean, that it just... It's baffling when that mode of thinking gets applied to the basic biology of a woman, but it shows how powerful that myth is, the need to see women as just reproductive vessels and not as human beings with their own set of needs and desires. You end up coming to magical thinking conclusions in order to cement your own beliefs. But I mean, it's like that kind of attitude permeates throughout all of the base, though, because you look at their um even Mitt Romney's wife came out and she said I, well I don't see why women should expect to get paid the same as men even those women who vote republican now they're convinced that they're not oh, worth she actually it. she actually didn't say that oh she didn't that say was that was from a parody site oh is this from the onion no 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 there's another parody site i don't remember the name here's of it, but... like the sad part is that was, when yeah. i read the onion or when i read these parodies i can't even differentiate them from reality because it's the reality is hilarious it's, it's impossible like, to reality is like become too absurd yeah i mean honestly like if you read this illegitimate rape quote even if it wasn't real and if it had like when i read it first it sounded like an onion article like i had to double check to make sure it's even real you know like republican women are like gays who vote republican to me is it self-hate do they no it's that their fears in other areas of their lives are stoked to such an extent that they are convinced to vote against their own self-interest. They were, they were sold that story that you're, you're inferior and no, they were sold the story that the democratic government exists only to give your hard earned tax money to lazy non-white people with social programs that you don't get any part of. That's what it is, and that's a message that has resonance with many kinds of white people. <laughs> it's not enough to sustain a lasting political movement, which is why I'm at least hopeful right now that it won't have so much sway over the party years from now. But right now, it stands the chance of doing almost unimaginable damage to this country in the next four years. It's already doing crazy amounts of damage to this country. The, the Tea Party Congress has already stopped the economic recovery. They've stalled it. We're going at like 1% of GDP or something a year. There is pretty much no way that we'll ever be restored to anything remotely resembling quote-unquote full employment, which is like 4 or 5% of right. Americans unemployed. Right. They've already sabotaged any chance of any kind of governmental stimulus before the election. During the lame duck session, after this upcoming election, Congress has to decide on trillions of dollars of tax policy and renewing expiring benefits before the next inauguration. But they're not going to do it. They're going to use it as another battle, you know? To confuse the American public, to start blaming the Obama administration, because that's what they're really interested in. They just want, they're not interested in recovering the economy. Much to your point, Mitt Romney is already using the Medicare cuts and Medicaid cuts in Obamacare to tell seniors that Obama's coming for your Medicare. Right. I'm going to protect it for you. Even I'm going to protect your Medicare from the scary black man. Even though the scary man is a white man and it's his running mate and he's the one who wants to cut medicare and medicaid exactly if obama had been a white democrat the tea party movement would not 
have gained the traction or the populous traction that it did. Let's face it, it's like hugely a racist, xenophobic, anti-black movement. Mitt Romney's campaign has already had to resort to invoking racial code and very obvious, like they're not even dog whistles anymore. You can fucking hear them now. Like Honestly, it's baffling. Like Mitt Romney's already released like five commercials about the Obama administration's waivers to states and part of the welfare reform requirements that people who receive what remains of welfare have to do a certain amount of work. Some states want waivers from that. And Republicans have applied for those waivers in the past. And the Obama administration granted some of them recently. But Mitt Romney has seized on that to make this crazy bullshit commercial part of his complete campaign of lies. Um, They show pictures of Bill Clinton. They show pictures of white people. And then they say in Obama's America, they just send you your welfare check in the mail. Wait, that's that's, That's Mitt Romney's ad? response to the waiver is granted to states that Republicans have gotten before. Like he's using really, really obvious racial language to try to scare white people into voting for him because those are the only people left in the Republican base. It's appropriate that you brought Paul Ryan into this because... He scares me. He really scares me. Honestly, he should. I mean, first, connecting it back to what we said earlier, last year, Paul Ryan sponsored, co-sponsored, with Todd Akin, the No Taxpayer Funding for Abortion Act, a bill which, among other things, introduced the country to the bizarre term forcible rape. And this is from thinkprogress.org. But I think he scares me because to me, Mitt Romney, he comes off as someone who is sort of like lying just to get the approval of the Republican base. But he is more moderate than he lets out. Who? Mitt Romney. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The scary thing is that his running mate is a fucking psycho right wing, very smart, manipulative man. Because when you hear him talk to the crowds, it's like he's talking to fifth graders, you know? Oh, yeah. He like says things that are very, very... um, like very emotionally charged. They have no meaning. It's just like things that sound good and he gets the crowd to chant it back. It's it's like he knows what he's doing, you know? He know Mitt Romney is like he's desperate to get his own party to vote for him. I don't believe he's as horrible as most of the party is, but then his running mate is a psychopath and not like in a Sarah Palin kind of way. You know, where she's just an attention horn. She's it really is dumb. This guy is very smart and he knows what he's doing. And he knows who he works for. Yeah. And he knows what they want from him. And this is actually from Michelle Goldberg, who I mentioned earlier. And she at the dailybeast.com from last year, GOP abortion bill redefines rape under HR three. This was House Resolution three from last year. The third bill the Tea Party House took up in the House of Representatives. The third bill they took up said that only victims of forcible rape would qualify for federally funded abortions. Quote unquote, forcible rape. Victims of statutory rape, say a 13 year old girl impregnated by a 30 year old man, would be on their own. So would victims of incest if they're over 18. And while forcible rape isn't defined in the criminal code, the addition of the adjective seems certain to exclude acts of rape that don't involve overt violence, say, cases where a woman is drugged or has a limited mental capacity. It's basically putting more restrictions on what was defined historically as rape. 
Beyond that, the bill would have given states the option of refusing Medicaid coverage for all abortions, even in the most brutal of rape cases, or when a medical complication leaves a woman's life at risk. Now, in the Republican Party platform, there is a national ban on all abortions, with no exceptions for rape or incest. Mitt Romney is now saying publicly that he wants, and it's he randomly in an interview earlier today, that like wants exceptions for rape, incest, in the life of the mother. But it's Monday. What he will say on Tuesday is completely dependent on what happens tonight. Right. He literally is saying absolutely anything that can be said in order to win. And this country does not have a, like an actual media prepared to call him on that. In all these interviews, he's throwing out, spitballing, basically, changes to policies he has held, policy positions he's held, votes that Paul Ryan has taken in the House, right. just completely papering over everything he's ever said before and expecting to get away with it. And it's it's scary that he has to appeal to such an extreme mentality to even get those people to vote for him. You know, as if his like right of center position wasn't good enough. Like he had to turn into this right wing psycho to get his own party excited about him. You know, exactly. It it shows not only how tenacious he is and how power hungry he is, but also kind of how desperate the GOP power players are to get him elected. I mean, think of the money that they're pouring into this campaign that we won't know about until after when everyone does all their disclosures. Right. And they're outspending the Democrats. Oh, they're outspending the Democrats ridiculously. And if you think the amount of money dropped on the presidential races is crazy, wait till you see what they drop on the congressional races. No one's talking about that. No one's talking about all these. Finally, finally now we're getting some coverage of these Tea Party people who are running in this cycle, like Todd Akin and like Paul Ryan. Because, I mean, Paul Ryan's been in Congress forever. We know votes that he's taken on things. At least with the selection of Paul Ryan as the vice president, you know exactly what Mitt Romney is going for. You know that he knows exactly what he's going for. And it's up to us to reject that. I don't even think people realize the enormity of Paul Ryan's like vision of, for America. He really, really, truly imagines an American government that does nothing but wage war. That is, and th- even those wars are not even political anymore. They're they're pretty much wars for profit. Those are the ones that aren't religious. We've all heard that. Paul Ryan wants to end Medicare, as we know it, by replacing it with coupons. But he really believes in ending Medicaid. And this is from The New Republic, TNR.com. Like Medicare, Medicaid is effectively a guarantee. It's a promise to the states that as long as they offer Medicaid and contribute their share, the federal government will provide enough money to cover everybody who is eligible for the program, no matter how many people it is. It's also a promise to individual recipients that the insurance they receive will be sufficiently comprehensive to cover any service they might need. Ryan would end both guarantees, turning Medicaid into a block grant. Every year, the federal government would cut checks for the states according to a predetermined formula, coupons, again. But these coupons go to Tea Party governors. Right. The formula envisions massive cuts to the program. It's one of the major places Ryan looks to reduce federal spending. Given those levels, states would be forced to reduce dramatically whom they cover and what they cover. 
According to estimates, the end result would be that between 14 and 27 million low-income Americans would lose health insurance. Like seven, <laughs> that's, that's just one part of his policy platform. That's in addition to ending Obamacare and repealing Obamacare. And I think it honestly stems from the notion that the same people who get Medicaid are the same people who Romney refers to when he tries to invoke racial sentiments. Exactly. Because these poor people are getting your money. They're taking your tax money. And you don't get to go on Medicaid. Right. So it's it's brilliant in that it, it can appeal to both racist sentiments and, you know, Americans' idealistic sense of their own self-worth and their own economic value, you know? Paul Ryan pushed really hard to privatize Social Security. Back in the George W. Bush days, he proposed a Social Security privatization scheme that was to the right of George W. Bush. And George W. Bush had to say no to Paul Ryan. Like, when W. was telling you to back off, buddy, like, you know you've gone to the right side. Like, I'm really not trying to give into panic or sort of like too wrapped up, you know, in fear of the right wing. But I think this year is very different because I think Paul Ryan is extreme right wing. Now with them outspending Democrats so much and now with them trying to suppress all these votes and steal the election again. Paul Ryan makes Reagan look like a liberal. He is a Mormon away from the most powerful office on this planet. I feel like the Democrats have gotten too comfortable. Like they realize how crazy these people are and and they just think that, oh, we can just get complacent. We don't need to donate. We don't need to do anything. We got this. But we're like two months away from probably the most important election. I mean, Kerry and Bush was, I mean, they're both kind of close to each other towards the center, you know? I mean... In some ways. In some ways, but I mean, compared to Obama is not even like like an extremist liberal. His proposals are not even as ambitious as the Eisenhower Republican Party. So it's frightening, you know? Despite the fact that he's being called a class warrior by Republicans, Obama really only wants to raise the tax rate of the richest Americans back to the Clinton-era tax levels. Meanwhile, Paul Ryan literally wants the biggest transfer of wealth from poor and middle-class Americans to rich Americans in modern U.S. history. But do you think maybe it needs to get that bad? Does it have to get so absurdly bad? to finally for the Republican base to realize that they can't vote for these people anymore. At what point does reality not match up with... The the scary problem is that reality no longer applies in their worlds. To hold their worldview in the first place requires a willing suspension of disbelief in things that are verifiably untrue. You're exactly right that the party lionizes Ronald Reagan as its savior. Ronald Reagan would have been cast out as a fucking heretic a million times over by now. He raised taxes like 13 times, I think, during his terms. If it's not clear enough now, how much clearer could it get? And depending on how it plays out, it it could be their own undoing that they are this clear about what they want. Because for so long, the Republican Party had to bury its real intentions and its most right-wing ideas under layers of code. Right. And, and they distract people with their social issues that they know they can get votes out of. Meanwhile, they're and that stripping. And that, that approach no longer works either. But 
they're doubling down on it because it's, now it's the only thing they have left. Mitt Romney can't run on his record anymore. A lot of these Tea Party voters and this energized right-wing base is more anti-Obama than it is pro-anything the Republican Party is throwing at them. You know, because when Americans are surveyed, a large majority of them think that everything about the Obama care law is a good thing. The thing they don't like about it is that it's called Obamacare. Like, that's the thing they don't like. You know, they're anti-Obama. Right, right. We like talked about this the last, uh, yeah, on the last like podcast. Yeah, they're like racists. So it's like... I mean, a lot of it is motivated by they're just scared of Obama. You know, I mean, a lot of it seems like... See, hold on. The wussy-ass liberal in me wants to point out, you know, not all Republican voters are racists. No, but the Tea Party, I feel like the majority of them... The majority of the Tea Party that exists now, that has existed since the remaining party apparatus took over the Tea Party and just rebranded the Republican Party is doubling, tripling, quintupling down on all the racist, misogynist, homophobic, anti-labor, anti-voting policy and rhetoric that they can possibly get away with. I mean, and you can sense the desperation in every move they make, in every speech they give. They know that they're not going to be able to appeal to this xenophobia forever because you can't make a viable national party out of a minority of American citizens. Right. And white people are becoming a minority in America. Right. Finally. Maybe that's why they're reacting so extreme. It's like they I feel really cornered, think that's you know? The remaining agglomeration of people that calls itself the Republican Party are acting collectively like a very, very scared, scared person. And there's a lot of danger in that. Desperation can provoke truly horrible things. I mean, it, it's aside than their ridiculous rhetoric, I mean, they're already passing laws to suppress voting. I mean, that is a dangerous thing in itself. And this is how you know they're scared. They're not only trying to sway people into voting against their own interests and for them. They're trying to prevent people from voting against them, from voting for the other guy. So many states, as we've talked about on the By That I Mean podcast, have passed voter ID and photo ID laws requiring things of their citizens that states have never required before to solve what they claim is the problem of voter fraud. And actual voter fraud in this country happens something like 0.000004% of the time. But to the Republicans, voter fraud is acceptable as long as they're doing it. Not only that, but the specific policies that they're putting in place are favoring Republican voters and simultaneously and directly disfavoring voters that are likely Democrats. Right. From thinkprogress.org, Ohio limits early voting hours in Democratic counties, expands them in Republican counties. Ohio has introduced a new tactic in their broader attempts to make it even harder for Democratic voters to get to the polls this year. Early voting stations in Ohio's heavily Democratic counties will only be open between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m., while Republican counties have expanded their hours to allow voting on nights and weekends. But how do... How do the courts 
justify this. I mean, here's how this happened. The board of elections in these counties, which are split evenly between Democrats and Republicans, was gridlocked over a Democratic effort to expand hours. The Republican Secretary of State, John Husted, stepped in to deny expanded hours in these counties. But Republican heavy counties have actually expanded early voting hours on nights and weekends when most people have time to go to the polls. Eight to five is like working hours. You know, for those people who can't afford to go vote during the day, you know. Exactly. Besides historically favoring Democrats, these urban centers comprise Ohio's most populous and diverse counties. Of course, 28 percent of Cuyahoga County is African-American, as is 20 percent of Franklin County. President Obama won the African-American vote by 95 points in Ohio. So do you think that this knowledge would energize the Democrat base? Like now that it's so obvious what the Republicans are doing, the Democrat base would be even more invigorated to vote. It's like you're taking rights away from them. It would actually make them, it would energize them in retrospect. I'm, again, I'm hoping. No, and, and let's hope that that's it. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to see now finally that many of the big progressive groups are launching voter registration initiatives, um, voter verification services and tools for people. And I'll, I'm going to post, I'll also post on the, by that I mean, Facebook page, um, some links to make sure that you are correctly registered to vote in your state. Um, and any further identification or anything that you might be required to get. I know we've just gotten a lot of new fans in Indiana, thanks to Asia. Um, and Indiana has passed some of the voter IDs as well, ID laws as well. So I'll post information about that. Um, people are starting to mobilize, but it is close to the fucking wire. Right. I mean, this is very important for people in battle states. I mean, we're we're fairly safe in California. Yes, you know, I mean, and these, we can, and these I mean, swing states. Yeah, I mean, we can. Everyone around me will vote and will vote Democrat. The work and the battles need to be fought in these states. Listeners in those states need to energize their friends. They need to make sure everyone is registered because you know, if you don't fight for this, then. Paul Ryan will be president. I'm not saying Mitt Romney will be president because I feel like if they... No, Mitt Romney is not going to be president no no matter what happens. It's like the nomination and appointment of George W. Bush to the presidency of the United States. George W. Bush was not the leader of the free world. Right. So, I mean, the choice is clear now. The strategy of the people who are driving that choice is clear. The only question is how determined people are to fight them and to fight to exercise the one right in this country that can't be bought away from you or taken away. But they're trying to buy it away. They're certainly trying to buy it away from you in, in the form of fear, in the form of resentment against your fellow citizens um, even resentment against yourself. But it, I, like to me, it becomes more about a battle between the people and then the few rich, powerful men in America. That's what it will come down to, essentially. The Tea Party backers, I mean, they're not these grassroots 
middle class people, you know? These super PACs, all this money that's just flooding the Republican Party, all that money is coming from people whose the Republican Party platform will benefit, you know, will, like more tax cuts for them. Of course. But they're getting... Of course. So it's, it's more but about... the problem is that these same backers do have those extreme positions. They do hold them. Remember Foster Freeze we talked right, about? Right, right. And Sheldon Adelson once... Israel to nuke Iran. Right. Meanwhile, he has a criminal casino empire in Macau. But these people really do hold ideas that are completely antithetical to democracy. So, of course, it makes sense that the stooges they send to office in their name don't respect the exercise of democracy either. You know, and I mean, in the moment, at least we can be grateful that now they are coming out and just openly saying it. From Dispatch.com, specifically referring to the Ohio voter ID laws, the chairman of the county Republican Party and an elections board member who voted against allowing these extended weekend hours in one of the urban districts, Doug Priest, and you can you can quote him as saying this, I guess I really actually feel we shouldn't contort the voting process to accommodate the urban read African-American voter turnout machine. Let's be fair and reasonable. When these things are going to the courts, what are the courts? Is several court decisions have come down stalling or outright overturning these laws as unconstitutional. Thankfully, some of the places that have tried to do this are subject to a specific part of the Voting Rights Act of 1965 that requires states to get clearance from the federal government before they change voter laws that could affect non-white Americans. Some of these voter suppression laws are getting thrown out. But recently, one George W. Bush appointed judge in Pennsylvania upheld one of the most restrictive voter ID laws. And the Pennsylvania GOP leader is outright saying, has outright said... Voter ID will help Romney win the state. And this is from TalkingPointsMemo.com. Pennsylvania House Majority Leader Mike Terzai said that the voter ID law passed by the legislature would help deliver the state from Mitt Romney in November. And he says, first pro-life legislation, abortion facility regulations in 22 years, done. Voter ID, which is going to allow Governor Romney to win the state of Pennsylvania, done. And Terzai said this at the Republican State Committee meeting. Honestly, it's a nightmare. Most of the time, I'm just speechless. Like I told you, I tried to keep away from politics up until the election, but I feel like I'm almost too scared to read it now. Like, I don't... It's hopeless. It makes me feel scared and I'm hopeless and I don't know. Like, I I just want to go to sleep and wake up and have it be November 3rd and Obama still president. But all these Republicans seemed like such a joke, and we didn't think any of them would win. And then suddenly now, it's like Paul Ryan is here, and he's energizing these idiots again. And and there's a lesson in that, too, which is to stop underestimating Republicans' ability to run any stooge on a platform of hatred and get him just enough votes and suppress enough votes against him to get him into office. Right. It's possible. Elections have fucking consequences. In 2010, too many people our age didn't vote in the midterm elections. And the Tea Party wave that took this country, not just in Congress, but at the state and local level, has resulted in unprecedented layoffs. 
layoffs of public officials. The economic recovery that the stimulus bill started and really had put on pretty firm footing was completely undermined by people's disappointment in Obama in their decision to sit out the 2010 elections. And there was a lot of underestimation, not only by a bajillion other people, but by myself, frankly, because I have at so many points in the past underestimated the ability of charismatic people with scary ideas to get really far with those ideas. But the one thing you can't do is turn in and give up and go to sleep. It's not just an election that's at stake anymore. It's the value in having elections. It's, as you said, the notion that they're trying to buy your vote, but they can't literally purchase it. And far be it from me to take supernatural implications from the phenomena of weather, but it is beautifully ironic. Because can you think, Chris, of one name that will not be mentioned at this year's Republican convention? I know George W. Bush. Will Wait, who? What? Huh? <laughs> that, I, I don't know. Is that, an, is that a name even? Is that... I, all I heard was a, like a, a whooshing sound, like a, like a wind. Did you say a name just now? I'm sure they'll not mention him at all. Of course not. I don't know at this point if the amnesia is a thing that they've faked just really successfully or if just the cognitive dissonance is so great. I don't think they have amnesia because they, they'll never forget 9-11 and they'll drop it whenever they can. Oh, that's also true. It's just the son you're embarrassed to take out with you. That's George W. Bush. It's that uncle we don't talk about, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I feel a lot of... That's a strategy Obama used, was to drop George W. Bush's name. Mm -hmm. And that's the last thing they want to do, is remind people which party they are. Or who is really responsible for this economic chaos we're in. It's unfortunate that President Obama doesn't have to run against the 1956 Eisenhower Republican Party platform. Imagine having to run against a Republican Party whose stated position was expanding Social Security. Elsewhere in that in that platform document, they have a specific policy plank to expand Social Security. And now the conversation about Social Security has been pushed so far rightward that the leftmost idea about Social Security is raising the retirement age to fucking 72 or something. Since 1950, the only people who have retired older are the richest Americans. There's, there's no party in this country that actually formulates all its policy positions from a position of trying to conserve the republic. The actual Republican Party, as it exists now, wants to pretty much dismantle it. Doesn't really align anymore with the fundamental nature of what the country is. Right. Or what the government was established to do in the first place. Exactly. They're not interested in protecting the people anymore. When you let corporations run rampant and these people run rampant and just, it's at a point where they could take your property. They can lure you into loans that you know you can't pay and then they'll sell them and then they'll gamble on your property and then they'll take it. And the Republican Party's vision of a government is a government that's unacceptable, according to the founding fathers, who they'll just wave around like it's a Bible, you know? 
I don't know where the end is. Like how far, like how much more extreme can they get? Part of it is like I look around and it seems that they're so absurd that no one around me, like everyone laughs about them. But a lot of people in this country are not laughing. They're cheering them on. That's the scary part because we live here and it's it's pretty liberal. And then you can look around and say, oh, well, no one will vote for these crazy people. But the scary part is that's not true. The margins are not that far off. You know, Obama is not leading by that much and they're getting really close. And that's the scary part. I don't know, like sometimes you hope that with the internet and these technologies, more people will be informed, but there actually are not, you know? Maybe it's time to move to Canada. If Paul Ryan gets into power, I mean, what's left, you know? I mean, it sounds a little ridiculous, but... The problem is, if Paul Ryan actually does get elected, there's really not any way to escape the effects of whatever America would do. If Paul Ryan and Mitt Romney get elected... The Congress and the Senate will be going with them. They will be. Because if it's overwhelming anonymous money that gets them into office, that same overwhelming anonymous money will get House and Senate along. If there's some crazy economic downturn apropos of, who knows, I don't know, maybe Europe collapsing like it's totally doing right now, that in and of itself would also switch public sentiment toward Republicans for because they would, of course, latch onto it as another sign of Obama's failure. Whatever events would get them into office, if they go, it's going to be with a lot of people who believe the same thing they believe. Mm-hmm. And Republicans have gotten so good at using every single parliamentary trick in the book that there'll be very little stopping them because they are good at this now. They've been doing this for 30 years now. If they get away with voter fraud, then, you know, what else? Like, it's scary because they run on a very fascist platform, you know? Well, yeah, and it's not, it's never a thing that you want to say lightly. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't because a lot of their ideologies are, and just the way they conduct themselves and the way they appeal to sort of the least intelligent people and the way they talk to them. They play on the lowest instincts of all people. Uh Uh-huh. They play on everyone's lowest instincts. They play on fear. They play on bigotry. Every fascist regime that came to power played to the same tune. And that's how they came to power. Yep. I mean, it, it sounds a little ridiculous. No, they play on fear. That's how they always get in power. And I'm like, if history repeats itself, then I don't see this being any different. Well, then the question becomes whether everyone's just going to go to sleep and pretend that going to sleep will solve this problem or embrace the choice that is available. We're not going to register 10 million people to vote overnight, but I'm going to start posting more links to voter registration and verification sites. And if any of our listeners have any ideas of things you can do or we can do or they can do or anyone else can do they can let us know at facebook.com slash by that i mean but i refuse to give up hope and to live in anything resembling despair despair is artificially comforting it kind of convinces you that you are in full understanding of how the universe works and that when bad things happen, that really ultimately you're responsible for it. But life goes on after bad shit happens. That's part of why it's crappy when bad things happen. And that's 
part of why it's both good and bad that elections have consequences. Because when people take the act of democracy, whether they embrace that act or not, whether they actually fill their one fucking responsibility, which is to participate and make choices about how that democracy is going to work, they are expressing one voice with millions and millions and millions of components. They are not one voice expressing itself with millions and millions and millions of dollars. And as long as that ideal and that idea still underpins the concept behind America, I will be someone who tries to make it better rather than just running away from it. So I guess that's why... I kind of maintain hope. Or even if I don't maintain hope sometimes, I'm at least fucking determined to do what little I can to stop us from backsliding further into dumbness. Um, And thank you for helping me. I mean, I just don't want this to turn into Syria. That's ultimately why I'm afraid of Republicans. Because I just... I mean, ever since George W. Bush, I've seen this country take huge leaps backwards. And I mean, since fear does that to populations, it moves us in that direction. And yeah, and fear makes you tolerate much more extreme ideas as solutions to problems. Exactly. And that's that's what scares me. And I don't know what we can do other than encourage people to register, to get their friends to register. That's to, pretty much get, it. That's, that's all you much have it. to do. I mean, it's just, it doesn't cost any money. It's just the effort. Just take one day that can have so much effect on you, on future generations. Because if you don't think elections are important, then think how our world now would be different had Al Gore been elected. It would have been a completely different reality. And this election will have far more dramatic outcomes than just the Bush and Al Gore election. Because these people are not even hiding how crazy they are. They're coming out and they're saying it and they're getting support for it. And that's the scary part. Todd Akin was fundraising about the reaction to his comments the day after the reaction to his comments started. Wow. Oh yeah, they're literally fundraising off the controversy they caused by being insane. Right. And Wingnut welfare. <laughs> so it's like, what What are they even not telling us? Like, that's the scary part. If they're coming out with all this crazy stuff, and we think it's so far right and extreme, it's like, what, what other agendas haven't come out yet? What are they really cooking up? But see, that's the thing. I don't, I don't think they're capable of hiding that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. I, it's all in their platform now. They want to ban all abortions, even in the case of rape or incest. They want to end Medicaid. They want to end Medicare. It's pretty much out in the open now. And not only that, but the actual philosophical underpinnings of whatever used to constitute their main ideology have so rotted out that there's really no argument behind anything they stand for now. Like they don't, the Republican party itself doesn't really stand for anything, but the obstruction of progress of people's individual liberties. So I think sort of keeping it in a light of hope, there's two possible outcomes of this election. If we act complacent, if you want to go to sleep and avoid it, if we want to pretend that Obama has this locked and it's safe and we shouldn't worry, then Romney will get elected. Things will get so terribly bad that hopefully what little base they have, they will lose. Or we go out in huge numbers, we vote Obama back in, 
And to me, what's important about that is that it sends a message that America rejects the platform of this extremist Republican Party. And two, which is to me is more important, that none of your cheating and none of your money can outweigh the will of a sane and progressive American public. That's why this election is important. So go out and vote, goddammit. <laughs> Seriously, people, what the fuck do we have to do for you? Maybe Kim Kardashian can start talking about voting. I don't know. Kids like her, right? Yeah, they do. Who's that British diver? Oh, Tom Daly. Tom Daly. Okay, you know what? We need to enlist some transnational assistance in encouraging people to vote and put registration instructions on Tom Daly's abs. Right. <laughs> and have him take pictures of himself. <laughs> right, because he posts like one question and then suddenly there's like thousands of replies. It's amazing. It really is incredible. Yeah. How do I get that kind of Tom Daly momentum for by that? I mean, we should get abs and then go to the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we get abs, Chris? Is, is abs a thing we can get on the internet? <laughs> I don't know what it takes to get people to care. I think it's also easy to poke fun at people for wanting to be escapists or sort of not paying attention to this stuff and getting more interested in celebrity culture and vacuous things. But a lot of it, maybe people feel hopeless and it's their way to escape is it's easy to not care. You know, it's to say, well, I'm powerless. I've been convinced of that. And oh, yeah, I'm just going to watch nonsense American Idol and not pay attention to anything else. But even though in the back of their heads, they know they want to have that power back. They were sold on the idea that your voice doesn't matter. You don't need to vote. You're lucky you have a job. I mean, it's the basis foundations of every fascist movement. In history, it's not some conspiracy theory, and it's not every fascist movement starts like this with the complacent populace, with you know people who are saying, "Well, if it's not my problem, then it's not my problem. I don't have to voice opposition to it." Mm -hmm. Until they show up at your doorstep and take your house and take your job and take your benefits, but at that point, it's too late, you know. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you can also find or at least seek a bit of hope in history that. Most times, right. those extreme elements have come to the fore and have correctly been defeated. Right. Rightly been defeated before they escalated into civil wars. Right. World wars. And as you say, again, it depends on whether the people choose to exercise their voice or whether they choose to let a few people speak for all of them. Chris O'Neill... How have you enjoyed this Asia-less endeavor? I feel like it's a lot less joyful, but less so because of Asia's absence than just the sheer... I think the topics we're discussing are just very serious and heavy topics. It's true. So Heavy times. No, but I, I do feel, I mean, it was a, a more serious podcast than it usually is, but I think that's because the subject matter is it's frightening it's serious and it's sort of like a wake-up call so i think even both of us i mean we had to take a break and sometimes we just had moments where we're totally speechless because we're in such a state of disbelief sometimes i don't even know what to say i'm just sitting here shaking my leg you know i'm like right yeah. that's that's all i have to I'm say i'm doing the restless leg syndrome as well you know <laughs> what i mean i mean get my brain to work and put words to it the word for it is malaise, you know, and it's the word that Republicans, of course, gave to Jimmy Carter forever and ever. 
I've been feeling that kind of existential dread. And I mean, the last time I felt it, I know part of it's because it's hurricane season. Mm -hmm. And the hurricane that missed Tampa is now hurtling toward the Gulf Coast. It's also the Katrina anniversary. Right. Um, But I've been feeling a kind of malaise, not really specifically about my own life, but about the world in general. Um, And it's not as though it hasn't been there this whole time. It's just that recently it's kind of, I've felt it more sensitively, more acutely than other times. Right. Hopefully the message of this podcast will be hope in retrospect. Hopefully we can listen to this in December and say... My, what serious bitches we were. Right. (laughs) (laughs) My hope is to listen back to this and come off really crazy paranoid. That's right? my hope. Yeah. yeah. I, please, I want to be crazy and paranoid and... I can't <laughs> wait to mock you mercilessly for talking about how we were about to devolve into Syria. <laughs> and then in retrospect, I'm going to add like other claims that I will say that you had made that you totally didn't make in this podcast. Right. Like, oh yeah, Chris, sure we were all going to be eating each other after <laughs> Ryan and Romney got elected. Yeah, of course we were going to be asked to sacrifice the firstborn to the Koch brothers. But that will remain to be seen with time. In the meantime, this has been another episode of By That I Mean. By That I Mean is a production of the MFP Studios in Los Angeles, California. If you like us, you can like us officially in the way that Americans are now allowed to express their like of things on Facebook, as we've mentioned a million times in this podcast, you can tweet me at MFP Seth. And where can people tweet you, Chris? I think it's Chris underscore O'Neill. No apostrophe. I think that's it, too. Yeah. So think your tweets at us. And if you have any suggestions for the show, articles that we should cover, or feedback on the show in general, feel free to send it along. I think people recognize that I'm not a partisan Republican, that I'm someone who is moderate and that my my views are progressive. No, I want the voters to know exactly where I'm going to stand as governor, and that is I am not going to change our pro-choice laws in Massachusetts in any way. I will preserve them, I will protect them, I will enforce them, and therefore I'm not going to make any changes which would make it more difficult for a woman uh, to make that choice herself. Uh, I grew up on Ayn Rand, that's what I tell people. I, uh, you know, everybody does their soul searching and, and trying to find out who they are and what they believe and you learn about yourself. Uh, I grew up reading Ayn Rand and it taught me quite a bit about who I am and what my value systems are and what my beliefs are. Uh, the reason I got involved in public service, um, by and large, if I had to credit one thinker, one person, it would be Ayn Rand. And when you look at the 20th century experiment with collectivism that Ayn Rand more than anybody else did such a good job of articulating the pitfalls of statism and collectivism. You are out to destroy almost every edifice in the contemporary American way of life, our Judeo-Christian religion, our modified government regulated capitalism, our rule by the majority will. Other reviews have said that you scorn churches and the concept of God. Are these accurate criticisms? Uh, yes. Christ, every important moral leader in man's history, has taught us that we should love one another. Why, then, is this kind of love, in your mind, immoral? It is immoral if it is a love placed above oneself. And then, if a man is weak or a woman is weak, then she is beyond, he is beyond love? He certainly does not deserve it. He certainly is beyond. There are very few of us, then, in this world, by your standards, who are worthy of love. 
Uh, unfortunately, yes, very few. Well, I think you hit a reset button uh, for the fall campaign. Everything changes. It's almost like an Etch-a-Sketch. You can kind of shake it up and we start all over again. And I fought against law and odds in a deep blue state, but I was a severely conservative Republican governor. I'm very proud of my pro-life record, and um, I've always adopted the idea, the position that the method of conception doesn't change the definition of life. Um, but let's remember, I'm joining the Romney-Ryan ticket, and the president makes policy. Uh, and the president, in this case, the future president, Mitt Romney, uh, has exceptions for rape, incest, and life of the mother, which is a vast improvement of where we are right now. Republican Congressman Paul Ryan rewrites his relationship with the conservative hero and atheist Ayn Rand. Congressman Ryan happily proclaimed his devotion to Ayn Rand until Catholics United issued a statement saying, we question why Ryan, as a self-professed Catholic, would put the teachings of ultra-capitalist Ayn Rand, of whom he has spoken glowingly, before the teachings of Jesus and the Church. Paul Ryan told a laughingly compliant writer at the country's oldest conservative propaganda outlet, the National review that the idea that he's an Ayn Rand devotee, as Paul Krugman has called him, is simply, in Ryan's words, quote, an urban legend, end quote. Ryan also said, I reject her philosophy. It's an atheist philosophy. Well, the platform uh, as written at this convention for the Republicans does not allow for exceptions on abortion with regard to the health of the mother or rape or incest. Is well, that where you are? No, my position has been clear throughout uh, this campaign. I'm in favor of uh, abortion being legal in the case of rape and incest and the health and life of the mother. But recognize, this is the decision that will be made by the Supreme Court. The, the Democrats try and make this a political issue every four years, but this is a matter in the courts. It's been settled for some time in the courts.